Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being here with us. Thank you, Lord, that you, you've spoken to us through, through your Scriptures. You're even speaking to us dynamically today through the, through the words that we've heard this morning and the impressions, Lord. And we pray that you'd speak to our hearts as we, as we open up the Scriptures again today. Um, you'd speak to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you're, the word of, you're the Word of God. You're God communicating to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're, that you're here to bring revelation and uh, teach us about uh, the transcendent God. Mm. So we welcome you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, first of all, a bit of a confession. Last week I thought I was recovering from a, from a chest infection. Turns out I wasn't. I was just at the beginning of it. So apologies uh, for that. Um, so yeah, the week went a bit went a bit pear shaped. But um, this is just why this is this is my excuse for why I'm playing playing catch up, and I didn't have a great introduction for Caleb. But next time I'm going to be oh, I'm going to be so onto it, so onto it. I'm going to have all like these C's lined up. Or I know Kakariki doesn't start with C, but never mind. English is confusing. Well, Caleb's English, right? Is it? <laughs> kind of. Um, anyway, chest infection. If I say anything wrong, okay, just go, oh, James, yeah, chest infection. Brain infection. I mean, that's what I sort of said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to begin today by, by using our imaginations um, to enter into two scenes. So are you ready? You can uh, leave your eyes open or, or close them or whatever you want to do, however you best imagine things. Okay, the first scene, the first scene that we're going to imagine, it's 4,000 years ago. And you, you're one of the multitude of Israelites who have been delivered from slavery in Egypt. You've been trekking through the wilderness, the desert east of Egypt, led by God himself, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of cloud by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And now you are at the foot of Mount Sinai. The mountain is covered by thick cloud. There's been thunder and lightning, the, the sound of blasting trumpets because the presence of the Lord has been settling on the mountaintop. And now everyone is listening to Moses, this 80-year-old prophet leader of the Israelites who has been to the top of the mountain God spoke to him, and now Moses is telling us what God said. So he speaks. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or his Tesla or anything else that is your neighbor's. (laughs) Pause. (laughs) All right. And the next thing, next thing to imagine. It's 2,000 years later. And again, you're listening to a prophet speak. Rather than a former slave from Egypt, you're a a Jew living in Roman-occupied Israel. And this time you're sitting on the side of another mountain further east and north of Egypt. Life is hard. Life is hard. People are desperate and have come to hear hear this 30-year-old prophet because he's been healing people of disease, he's setting people free from demons, and speaking a profound message of deliverance and promise the good news of the kingdom of God, which he says is nearby, it's at hand. And so he opens his mouth and he speaks, and this is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, Falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We can pause in that imagination. <laughs> Selah, okay? pause in his presence. Uh, last, week, last, week I talked, uh, last week I talked about what happened when God met with the Israelites at Mount Sinai in the middle of the wilderness after delivering them from slavery in Egypt. And he says, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. I'm going to make you a holy nation. So there's promises, like he's going to take you, I'm going to take you to, the, to this land flowing with milk and honey. There's these promises and there's expectations on how the Israelites will, will change the way that they live to be centred, to be ordered around God himself. Their, their lives had, be, had to be reshaped to truth and reality rather than the lies and the fantasy of where they had come from. You know, coming out of Egypt, its culture, its worldview, its religion and ways of life. So the, the commandments, I talked about how the commandments and the laws that God invited them into were based on truth and reality and living life based on truth. 
Living life based on truth and reality leads to freedom, it leads to flourishing. And, and even more than that, God's inviting them and he's calling to them uh, to, to, bear, to bear his image to the world around them. Uh, to bear his image in the way that they live. They are called to be a light to the nations, pointing towards God and, and also representing God to the world, reflecting his glory. Uh, I came across this quote um, um, in a book called A Better Story by, by Glenn Harrison, and he writes, we flourish as human beings when we work with rather than against the grain of God's reality. God welcomes humankind into a reality that both speaks of his glory and points to ways of life that please him. When we adopt the psychological posture of a creature and work in harmony with God's reality, we are on a road to becoming more fully human. And so the road to human flourishing and to God's glory is to work with the grain of God's reality not trying to manufacture a reality of our own. That's pretty cool, eh? I I kind of love that, the grain of God's reality. That's good. There's an old song, uh, really, actually really old, from last millennium um, by by a band called Switchfoot, who I'm still a fan of. And, And it's got the great, great title, New Way to Be Human. And that's what's going on in the, in the two scenes that we've been, we've been uh, entering into. You know, the people, uh, the people of the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai and then the Israelites, the Jews, uh, at the, at the, on the side of the mountain, they're discovering a new way to be human. Jesus spoke to the Jewish people on the side of the mountain and, and they heard from God how to live in a profoundly new way. Um, in the in the Old Testament, at the uh, at the laws and the commandments on the side of Mount at the foot of Mount Sinai, if you read the rest of those, some of some of those laws and commandments get pretty bewildering. They had to understand, they had to comprehend. But rather than rather than go down that track today, I'm going to sidestep and I want to think about the the second scene. There's a this crowd of people listening to Jesus speak, and they would have seen him as as a prophet. A healer, a gifted teacher, but but he was a human. He's he's one of them, just like them. And and later on, he's revealed as as the Son of God, fully human and fully God. He is part of the Godhead, the Holy Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we read these words, um, when we read these words. And I, this is uh, the words that I read before from um, Matthew chapter 5. When we read these words, they're, they're not just good advice. They're not just helpful tips or um, you know, better living, everyone. This is, this is pure truth from the mouth of God, pure truth uttered from God's mouth. God is speaking and he's like, he's, it's like he's saying, this is how things are and this is how to live if you really want to live according to the reality of the universe that I created. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus finishes this block of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. He finishes this block of teaching by, by, speaking, about, um, by about speaking about two kinds of people. There's the story of, of the man who built his house on the rock. 
the rain fell, and there were hundreds of slips all over town. <laughs> oh man, how many slips were there last week? Oh, it's crazy. Anyway, that's not what it says in the Bible. That's just my addition. The rain fell. There was flooding. Winds blew like the storm assails the house, but it stood firm. And Jesus says, this is what it's like. This is what life is like for people who build their lives on Jesus' teaching. Whereas life for the person who hears Jesus' teaching and ignores it, well, that's like somebody building their house on the sand. And when the storms come, when it gets hard, it all, it all comes down like a, like a house of cards. And so Jesus' block of teaching that I've been referring to, it begins in Matthew 5 and it ends in, in Matthew 7. And we would be wise, we would be wise if we read that carefully and prayerfully uh, you know, to discover what, like, what, what are you saying, God? What is this truth that you're speaking to us? And uh, you might have read that before, you might not have, but, but either way, be prepared because it's not easy. It's challenging. Jesus, he's the light of the world and he keeps shining his light on the human heart, on, on the human condition. I mean, Matthew 5.21, he connects the act of murder to the rage to the, to the heart that gets in a rage with a brother. Matthew 5.27, he connects the act of adultery, which is you know, sleeping with somebody that you're not married to, he connects that to the heart that looks at a woman or a man with lustful intent. Like he's all the time, he's going for the heart. Because entering a new way to be human, but you know, a new way to be human is not easy. And Jesus says, and we get quite, I don't know, we get sometimes in churches, we get a bit comfortable with this language, but he says, to enter his kingdom, you actually have to be born again. That's how new you've got to be. You've got to be born again. And like, it's a fundamental shift in who we are. It's a fundamental shift in our lives. The old covenant, which is the covenant that God um, uh, gifted, really, to the old covenant between God and the Israelites, the laws and the, and, the com- and the commandments that God communicated through Moses. These were all these were all outward things. If you really tried hard enough, you could do all these sorts of things without any without any change going on in here within. Practices like Sabbath keeping. I mean. That's a, that's a beautiful one, eh? A solemn day of rest each week, just as God rested. Just as, he says, you know, I rested, so you rest. Every seventh day, beautiful. And really, you know, something that we could all benefit from, taking a day off a week. Holy day of rest. But the Pharisees at the time of Jesus, they had it down so well. They had the Sabbath like, all figured out. They had it down so well that when Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath, they completely lost their minds and wanted to kill. They wanted to kill him. They actually wanted to kill him. So outwardly, they had it all down. The appearance of godliness, the appearance of righteousness, but inwardly, I mean, this is freaky stuff. They were far from God. And, and so far that Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Tombs. Like full of death on the inside. On the outside, you look great. You're all whitewashed. On the inside, full of death. 
I, I read this story recently. Oh man, it's like it really struck me. I read this story recently how how Nazi prison guards at death camps such as Auschwitz and in, in German-occupied Poland would take Sundays off, and sometimes would go to church. Whitewashed tombs. Take a deep breath. <laughs> so in the this, in this Sermon on the Mount, you know, uh, Matthew chapter 5 through to 7, it, it, Jesus is introducing the new covenant. The, the old covenant was, was good. It wasn't that it was bad. It was good. Like God gave it. But, but as it says later in the scriptures, it was only a shadow of the good things to come. A shadow. It was pointing to something else. The, the new covenant is so much better. It's so much better. It's the, it's the ultimate covenant. It's a complete rewrite from the ground up, from our hearts up, from the ground of our hearts up. It's a rewrite. The old covenant required the blood of animal sacrifices for there to be atonement, you know, so that we could, we could be at one with God. So that unholy people could be in relationship with the holy God. And then Jesus changes all that because his eternal blood is all that is needed. It says in uh, Romans 8, 1 to 2. Did I put that up on the screen? No, I didn't. It says in Romans 8, 1 to 2. There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen. His, his once for all sacrifice, once for all, once for all time, once for all people, once for all sacrifice at the cross, it changes, changes everything because he, he single-handedly defeated death, he defeated sin, and he unleashes at this, at this point, he unleashes promises that our minds, we can't, we can't comprehend, massive things. The old covenant showed people how to live, but, but, they, but they made it all about outward actions. And God wants the heart. The new covenant shows us how to live, how to be full alive, fully alive in a way that actually flows out, flows out from the heart. So you go back and, you know, you might go home after this and read the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and it's challenging. In fact, it's impossible if you, if you, try to, if you just try to do it. <laughs> it's like, you know, trying... I don't know. No, I won't get in that track. Stay focused. It's impossible if we try to do that. If, if we try to do it then, it, then it becomes an outward act all over again. Yeah. So what's needed is a heart rewrite. It's like we need a new, a, new, a new operating system. I mean, some of you are still Windows users. You need a new operating system. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Mac guy. Um, what's needed is a heart rewrite. And, and this is the journey that God invites us on. He promises to put his laws into our minds, which are up here somewhere. <laughs> I was going, yeah, no, I might have them up here. Where am I, Tommy? No, it's up here. But we need, our, we need his laws in our minds, and he, and he promises to write them in our minds and, and talks to write them in our hearts. And that's in Hebrews 8, 8 to 10. This, it's, the spirit of the, it's the Spirit of God Himself who writes on the tablets of our hearts.
And so you're like, just give me a wave. That's where you're at. God's rewritten. He's written his laws on your, on your heart and on, on your mind. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm over. This, this is my life. I'm, I'm there, eh? Surely some of you, Dad, you, surely, yeah, you've been a Christian a long time. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Your heart, your mind and heart is filled with God's way. Yeah, I know. No, no one's waving. But, but give me a wave if that's where you want to be heading. <laughs> yeah. We want, to, we want to track towards God's way to be human, a way of flourishing, a way of eternal life. And this is, this is good news. This is a message of good news because when we, when we come to God and we give him our lives, he, he begins this process of changing us from the inside out. He begins, he begins, at that moment, he begins writing it. This is just promises. And sometimes, you know, you become so aware of what's not right because, because God is actually writing on your hearts. His laws and, and his and his way of living, and so and so you got this like this contrast, this, ju- this juxtaposition of the of his way versus our way, and it's actually happening in here already. So you can actually thank God for that tension that you're feeling. You go, that's because he's he's doing it. He's doing the work already. When we come to God, he give. He, when we come to God and give him our hearts, this is the process. They're changing us from the inside out. And, and there's, there's, there's a couple of things that I'm, I'm going to finish with. I'm actually finishing up because I'm hungry. And I was going, I'm going to write, I'm going to have a short message today because I want to have lunch. <laughs> Is that all right? Yeah, okay, cool. So there's a couple of things, a couple of things that I reckon that we can do to actively partner with God in the process. So, so you know, we, we have... We want to be changed from the inside out, but there's, but there's almost like these actions, these outward things that we can do that help, that help us. And it's simple. It's simple. Prioritise this. <laughs> God's Word. In whatever way you can. Like some people, they're not into reading, and so, so find ways of like listening to it. And even if it's just like a verse a day or something, but prioritise God's Word. We... Like filling our minds with what the scriptures teach, you know. If 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 you believe that Jesus is God, and then when Jesus spoke, it was God speaking, speaking truth. Then the very least we can do is go and read Jesus' words in the scriptures. Eh? Filling our minds with what the scriptures teach, like letting our vision be captured with with how the scriptures describe Jesus. So yeah, yeah, yeah James got that. Reading the Bible, all good. And then, but the next thing is 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 just as important, or maybe even more important, and it's like continually, like regularly, regularly, regular, chest infection, frequently, ask the Spirit of God to do the deep work. Remember, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. You can read the Bible as much as you want and not be changed on the inside. It's true. It's freaky, but it's true. But the Spirit of God, we invite Him to do the deep work. To shine his light, this is where it gets really uncomfortable, to shine his light on where there are those, those misalignments, where there's that disorder and darkness in our own hearts. And, and, and when that happens, it happens to me quite often, um, especially on Sunday afternoons, I go, oh man, did I really say that in the front of church? Uh, <laughs> so when, the, when that happens, I have chest infection. 
<laughs> repent. <laughs> All repent means is like, like turning around, eh? So do a 180 degree turn and go, God, I, I did that thing and I, I don't like what I did and I want to turn away from it. Yeah, help me, God. And then, and then partner with God in the, in the reordering and the reshaping and the, and the reformation of our lives around Him. Like, we just got to ask the Holy Spirit for His help and strength. Uh, dur- during the worship, I was just having this, this, this impression, you know, like, uh, you know, last week there was a lot of rain and there were a lot of slips. But the rain is, is just just made out of like raindrops, little raindrops. How much water is in a raindrop? Rob a hook. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, and I can, I'm guessing like maybe 150 microliters. Yeah. Not much, tiny, a tiny little bit of water, eh? And then yeah, all of this water, all these little tiny drops falling, falling, falling. You should have seen the slips in Cotter Cutter, eh? Ridiculous. But I've seen even bigger ones on the news, like these little drops, and they make massive changes, massive changes. And this is, I think, this is like this picture of our lives. Little drops, regular drops, frequent drops, bringing massive changes in our lives. Massive changes. Like a, it might be, it might be um, I loved Anne's idea when you're talking, was it last week, Luke, before? Like one scripture, one verse a day. Like one verse a day. Like small bits. And, and regularly coming back to God. And here's, here's another part of that picture. By all of us being like raindrops. All of us being like, all the people of God being like raindrops. You know, on the land, going out on the land. And the, and the change and the transformation that can happen in a society. The change and the transformation that can happen in society is, is, all, is each individual person is being changed and, and reformed by the Spirit of God. Oh my goodness. It's powerful stuff. It's going to finish with a, um, with a, with a verse from uh, Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm 119, King David, he, he really captured a, captured a vision of, of, of God's um, laws and commandments. And, and, he kept, and I, I reckon that he was like, God, this is, this is your reality. This is the way to live. And so he wrote this massive long psalm, Psalm 119. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read one verse, actually. Because it's one of my favourites. Psalm 119, 73. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So there we go. Do you, want to, do you want to stand and we'll invite uh, God, God's word to speak to us? Lord, thank you so much for... for...